This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. I am delighted today to have Miss Jen Stevens back again, my intermittent fasting friend and colleague. She is a wife and mother, a retired teacher, but always a teacher, and an intermittent faster. She's the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Delay Don't Deny, and she has an upcoming book called Fast Feast and Repeat that I've had an opportunity to look at. And I just love having you back again. Thanks for carving time out of your busy schedule. I know your book launch is like impending now. Yes, we are three weeks away and I'm so very excited about that. Um, Three weeks from today, the recording date. And I actually have the real one here, (laughs) no advanced reader copy, hot off the presses in New York. They sent me a box of them and it was absolutely thrilling to unbox them and see them. So exciting. Such an exciting time. And I love seeing more women in the intermittent fasting space, because I, I feel like it's heavily male centric and there's nothing wrong with men. I live in a house with all men. I know you are the mother of all, all men right. yourself, but they I are men now. Yes. I have two men sons. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe that you would have gentlemen that, that old, but the point being, it's just nice to have another friendly, familiar face in this this zone of, of genius that, that we're in. Um, and especially someone that's doing a really great job of explaining how we do intermittent fasting, how it works, what goes on in the body. And, and I know I had you on a few months ago and obviously, um, thoroughly enjoyed that. So I wanted to bring you back, but I was hoping today we could kind of dive into, um, you know, more advanced strategies and troubleshooting and what to do when you get stuck. And I, I know that, you know, your own journey, you've been doing this for six years. I've been doing it for five and we get to see, you know, having the ability to see so many, you know, men and women that are, you know, using the strategy and using it successfully. I would love to get your take on, you know, troubleshooting and, right. and trying to like dissinuate what exactly is going on with our bodies. And, and obviously you and I have, uh, could probably speak for days on end about this topic alone, but I would love to get your take. And obviously I'll kind of interject uh, some of my own experiences with my, my own clients, but I do find that intermittent fasting is designed to be simple and flexible, but sometimes we make it less simple and less flexible for ourselves. So what are some of the common issues, problems people kind of fall into. And and I can imagine where this this journey will start because I know we're on the same page about a lot of right. Well, you know, my first book was called Delay, Don't Deny. And that that's the whole concept of intermittent fasting that we all know and love because no matter what intermittent fasting protocol you're following, you're fasting Mm -hmm. and then you have an eating window or if it's the up down day approach, you have your days where you eat and your days where you fast. And so the whole idea is there's a period of not eating and a period of eating. And and again, in my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat. But everybody gets the fasting, right? They understand, okay, I'm going to fast. This is what I'm going to have. You know, once I explain the clean fast, which you and I have talked about, Mm -hmm. black coffee, plain tea, plain water, nothing flavor, don't add butter to your coffee, that sort of thing. (laughs) But still, the idea of the eating window you know, people can get very confused. Like if you only read the title of my first book, Delay, Don't Deny, you might get caught up in, well, she said, don't deny. <laughs> <laughs> and and people can really get, get um, 
confused about, well, that means I can eat, you know, as much as I want, whatever mm-hmm. I want. And, you know, I, I know my body does better. I'm just going to say paleo. Cause I know you have, have a paleo background, right? Yep. So someone might say, well, I know my body feels better when I do paleo. My mm-hmm. body feels better when I don't eat grains, but Jen said, don't deny. So I added all the foods back and now mm-hmm. I don't feel good. So that, that is one sticking point that um, I think is very, very common. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, paleo is not, I, I do great with grains. You know, I'm someone who eats grains a lot. I feel great when I eat grains. They work really, really well for my body. But we all have to listen to our own bodies and figure out what foods work well for us. Delay, don't deny the whole idea of intermittent fasting in general is not an excuse to, you know, eat like you are a freshman in college who's just been turned loose with a meal plan and you can now suddenly, your mom's not watching, right? <laughs> We know what happens when you do that. Oh, yeah. They call it the freshman 15 for real, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So one one thing that people really need to look at if they're struggling with intermittent fasting is, you know, did you change what you're eating dramatically? And most of the time, people add everything back that Mm -hmm. they they had been avoiding. You know, in my new book, Fast Feast Repeat, I have something called the 28-day fast start which is the period of time when your body is adjusting to intermittent fasting. And I actually tell people, do not change what you're eating during the first 28 days. And it goes both ways. You know, if you've been eating a clean diet or keto or paleo or whatever, if you've been vegan, whatever you've been doing, keep doing that while your body adjusts to intermittent fasting. Even if you were eating the standard American diet, which we all know isn't the healthiest, just adding the intermittent fasting is a positive health change. Mm-hmm. Let your body adjust without also changing what you're eating. Then after your body's adjusted to fasting, you can start figuring out, okay, what foods work best for me? You, know, you don't want to add everything back, but you also don't want to eliminate everything day one as well, because that's too much of a change for your body. So, you know, foods are very personal to us. They really are. And, and there are people who are like a duck to water. They could make of 15 changes all at once and they're totally fine, but that is definitely unusual. I think doing a slow variation is really important because if we're looking to make lasting change, slow and steady wins. I always remind people, I'm like, you don't get a badge if you lose more weight than someone else in a group. Like you're just not going to get a badge. So I remind people that bioindividuality rules, for example, Jen and I are about the same age. I think we might be the very same age and you do tolerate grains and I don't, and that's okay. And the beauty of it is acknowledging that, you know, different strategies work for different people. And I, I'm a big believer in, there's a lot of food shaming that goes on and social media, you know, it's kind of like, unless you put yourself in one bucket, whether it's carnivore, vegan, paleo, primal, keto, et cetera, and there's a hundred other variations, Somehow, if you don't ascribe to that philosophy, somehow what you do is wrong. And right. what I oftentimes will remind people is I would rather you, and it doesn't necessarily that you have to pick a particular philosophy that you ascribe to. It's really more important to eat more real food and less right. processed food. And if you can do that, that's a huge step in the right direction. Just like you said, you kind of walk people through several weeks before they start, you know, really, really doing, excuse me, doing anything beyond 
just changing their feeding and their fasting window. And your body needs to adjust. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my very favorite um, podcast interviews that we did on the intermittent fasting podcast with co-host Melanie Avalon, we had the two founders of Bioptimizers on there. They're a supplement company and they have all sorts of really high quality supplements. They got into that business because they wanted high quality Mm -hmm. supplements and they just had to make them themselves. But the two founders are amazing. They have a great level of scientific knowledge about how the body works. Mm-hmm. And one of them is keto, has been for years. And the other is plant-based low fat and has wow. been for years. So these two guys run this company together mm-hmm. and they understand some bodies do great with this keto approach. Some bodies do great with the you know whole foods, plant-based, lower fat approach. They're both thriving. They feel wonderful. They work together. They don't argue with each other or tell each other they're wrong. You're wrong. You can't possibly be feeling great eating the opposite diet of me. You know? and, and that just made me so happy because, you know, if you've been in, you know, diet groups for a mm-hmm. long time, you've seen a lot of the, um, the vitriol yes. that people hurl at one another. Well, you must be really stupid if you think that someone could be healthy eating that way. Mm-hmm. But we see people who are doing it and, and you can't deny that they're healthy and they're strong and they feel great. So whether you're eating, you know, the carnivore all meat diet Mm -hmm. or whether you're a hundred percent plant-based, if you feel great and you're thriving, your body is telling you the truth that that works Mm -hmm. well for you. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the other P the other side of the coin is, um, there's junk food in every nutritional paradigm. So whether it's standard American diet, whether it's car, well, maybe not carnivore, but you know, most other diet plans. I guess you can eat hot dogs. Yeah, well, I don't know. Probably yeah, not. like a process. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm just just trying to make the point that there's mm-hmm. junk food in every kind of dogma, whether it's keto, paleo, etc. And so again, goes back to the same thing. Sometimes what I see people do is they'll fast for so long that they're so hungry that then they eat everything and then they feel terrible. And yes. so I'd remind people sometimes it's okay to break your fast a little earlier. You don't have to be so deliberate. Like I have to make it to twenty hours or the world will end. And I just remind people that it's important to be listening to those hunger cues and be listening to what your body is trying to tell you. And hopefully if you're newer at intermittent fasting, the hunger cues become less and less of an issue. I think for many people, they have, it's been so long since they've actually felt truly intrinsically connected to their bodies and hungry that it makes them uncomfortable, like makes them emotionally uncomfortable because they feel like as soon as they hear their stomach rumble, they should be grabbing food, right? It's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we don't trust that we'll ever get it back because we lost mm-hmm. those signals and we're like, well, you know, what does hunger even mean? A stomach growl is not the same as, as hunger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a mechanical action of your stomach. You know, mm-hmm. yesterday I was supposed to record a podcast at 4 PM and I usually don't like to eat before I record a podcast. And that's a little late. I like to open my window at four, but I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll wait till after the podcast. So I'm mentally sharp. Well, about 2.30, I had a really bad headache. I think it was the atmospheric pressure. I'm not really sure. But I was like, I feel really terrible. I'd have a bad headache. I opened my window early. Yeah, good. Because I listened to my body and my body said, go ahead and eat something. Open my window. I ate. I felt better. Yeah, it's amazing. And it wasn't a failure. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and, And here's the other thing that I'm starting to really believe intrinsically is I am sitting down to write a book. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing, um, and that's a whole separate topic. But as I'm sitting down, it's really dumping me into looking at what research is out there, 
mm-hmm. what is going to be sustainable long-term. And I think rigidity as it pertains to most things related to intermittent fasting can be, um, can be tough to manage. So right. whether, you know, one day you do 16 hours, the next day you do 18, maybe one day you do a 24 hour fast. I think our bodies enjoy the variety as, a, as opposed to true rigidity, which I, I think sometimes can fuel some of these maladaptive behavioral mechanisms that some of us are prone to. And so when I really delve into the research and really look at it, and I've started to have these conversations more frequently, I'm saying, listen, it is okay to have some variety in your windows. They don't have to be the same every single day. Now, some people, they do really well with that. Others want some variety. They like the challenge of doing a longer fast or you know, they like the challenge of mixing things up because they get bored easily. And, right. and so I, I love being able to like facilitate that discovery. You know, I always say like, let's, let's research, let's delve into this, let's experiment, let's find out what works for you because your best friend may be able to do one thing, your husband right. can do another, and then you just find you need more variety in your, in your windows, which I think is fantastic. I think that's true. I would say the only time I want someone to consider being more rigid is during the adjustment phase. Correct. And when Correct. you're trying to adapt to fasting, if you're too loosey-goosey, then you'll you'll have trouble adapting. But, but once your body is adapted, that's when you can play around with the flexibility. Mm-hmm. And that's when it becomes a great lifestyle where you're not like, oh, can't eat till four. That's you know what I decided to do. And so I can't mm-hmm. do it. No, you can. You have permission to switch it up. Yeah. And do you see when people are kind of easing into intermittent fasting as they're going through that first 28 days, how do you kind of adjust or manage for sleep issues? If someone's been sleeping well and all of a sudden they're not sleeping well, how do you kind of troubleshoot with that or or kind of work around that with your clients? Well, I think we find that it gets better mm-hmm. over time once your body adjusts. Really during that adjustment phase, when your body is learning how to do this, everything's going to be wacky. Anything could be wacky, mm-hmm. really. It could be sleep. It could be, you could need to sleep more. You could find you're sleeping less. You, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. You could have lots of bathroom issues. Mm-hmm. People have constipation. They have diarrhea. They have everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's getting rerouted, right? Right. Your body is learning how to do something new. And it's not going to do that forever. You know, mm-hmm. if no one could sleep. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 
12 month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Weight gain is one of many symptoms that our hormones are in decline, especially as we navigate perimenopause into menopause. Dr. Anna, who is a great friend of mine, is an OBGYN who's treated thousands of women just like you and I who experience increasing dryness and even pain in the bedroom as they get older. Jolva is the solution Dr. Anna formulated for her own clients, and it has since been loved by over 100,000 women. It's a feminine cream with DHEA that helps the body regenerate moisture from the inside out. 92.8% of Jolva users experienced a significant improvement in the first four to eight weeks. Get 10% off your first purchase of Jolva by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's dranna.com Cynthia and get 10% off your first purchase. Intermittent fasting wouldn't be a very good lifestyle, right? You know, I actually sleep fabulously now. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I'm going through menopause, so that's a whole different animal, (laughs) but I'm working, I actually have have dialed some things in and say, right now my sleep is better than it had been for a long time. You know, I've switched the wine I'm drinking and um, that really made a huge difference for me. And I also have gotten my bedroom darker, mm-hmm. things like that. So now I'm sleeping better than I had been for a long, long time. But, you know, we to live a lifestyle, it has to be something that feels good day to day. And it, it, it does get to the point where it feels better. But I learned over time that I don't sleep well if I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. So if I don't eat enough, in my eating window, or if my eating window were too early in the day, and then I'm hungry at bedtime, I don't sleep as well then. So it's just a matter of dialing in, you know, what foods work better for you and how to know when you've had enough to eat. Yeah. And that whole experimentation process, I I find that we do occasionally get, you know, men and women that will say, oh, I never have problems sleeping. I'm not sleeping well. And we dive into what were your macros like? What did you eat for dinner? And then inevitably someone went too long during the day without eating and they didn't get enough food in. And so that's problematic. I think that for a lot of women that are in perimenopause, menopause, you know, those those special years as as where, you know, our periods are getting wonkier and uh, less consistent. I do find for a lot of women, they already have sleep problems and then Mm -hmm. they add in intermittent fasting and that can sometimes make it worse. And so it's teasing out, you know, what were their macros like? You right. know, what's your stress level like? What's your, you know, oh, yeah. this is now not the time for husbands, significant others to be telling their significant others that they can't keep their bedrooms cold because- Oh, truth. <laughs> I am, we're having that fight at our house. I, I know. So my, my best, my very best friend who lives in Georgia that I went to college with, uh, her husband is like very miserly. 
That's my yeah. husband. Yeah, very miserly. And sister wives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very miserly with the air conditioning. And so whenever I visit, I sweat like crazy and normally I'm fine. And I finally made an announcement in my house to my whole family. I was like, listen, this is where the thermostat will be set in our bedrooms for the duration of forever. Because if I sleep at a between 65 and 67 degrees, I sleep beautifully. If it's any warmer, I sweat and I'm, I just don't sleep Lost well. turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point being, you know, sometimes we have to lower the thermostat to get better sleep, especially, you know, you're in a humid part of the country as, as are we, not as humid as Georgia, but still humid nonetheless. Um, so definitely sleep, you know, making sure you've got the environment down, you've got, you know, cold, dark room that you, you know, aren't sitting on your iPad or in front of a computer all evening long or in front of, you know, you're binging on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or whatever you're doing or watching a game or, you know, we're still locked down here in Northern Virginia. We're not, we're not yet out and about yet, but yeah, sleep can definitely be challenging. What do you find to be one of the more curious things as it pertains to exercise? Do you feel that exercise can be beneficial? I feel like people have gotten conditioned to believe that they have to eat before they exercise. And if they don't, they won't be able to get through it. How do you kind of work through the mental game of exercise and being fasted? You know, I have, um, you know this, but I have large intermittent fasting support groups on Facebook. We are over 350,000 combined members now. So, you know, there's the hive mind right there. We've got real people who are experiencing (laughs) real things. And people ask every day, dozens of times a day. In fact, (laughs) they talk about, they ask this question. They ask, you know, hey, I'm just starting. I want to exercise. When do I exercise? Well, the thing is when your body is adjusting to intermittent fasting in the beginning, it is Mm -hmm. very difficult to exercise in the fasted state Mm -hmm. because your body doesn't know where to get fuel. You know, you're used to fueling from your blood glucose, from frequent meals. You may have a pre-workout. You may fuel up before training. That's, that's what we've been doing. That's the mm-hmm. most recent nutritional advice. So now you're going to intermittent fasting and you want your body to fuel itself from your fat stores. But at the beginning, your body doesn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So you may try your typical workout regimen and it feels like you're moving in jello mm-hmm. and you feel foggy. You don't have the energy. Your stamina is bad. You don't have the endurance. That doesn't mean you can't exercise in the fasted state ever. Once your body adjusts, you will find that the energy is there. You've got those fat stores. You've got glycogen stored in your muscles. You will be well-fueled, but you have to train your body to do that and don't expect it to happen right away. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got, um, we've got great members who run, you know, marathons in the fast mm-hmm. state. You know, I do not run <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I. I admire that, though. That's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful goal. I had my DNA analyzed and I know this is all the science. It's all in the infancy, but as far as what it told me about my exercise, it's like, you are not likely to be doing high endurance sports. I'm like, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I prefer, you know, a gentler approach to my exercise. Mm-hmm. I like to jump on a, um, a little mini rebounder that I have in my, my TV room or all, you know, hula hoop. That sounds crazy, but I like to do fun things in short mm-hmm. bursts. And that's great. It's it's figuring out what resonates for you, what works for you. Yes. I get the pre-workout question all the time. Oh and I actually God. told someone this morning, the best pre-workout would be coffee. And Black she was coffee. like, what? Yeah. What? And I said, yeah. just have coffee. That's actually, there are chemicals in the coffee that can be hugely beneficial. Yeah. And I said, ultimately, it'd be great if you just drink water, but that's okay. Because you're if you're trying to transition, she was 
gave me a snapshot of her pre-workout and I said, that will break your fast right. for sure, without well, question. I talk about this in, in the new book, Fast, Feast, mm-hmm. Repeat, about all the things that are going on in our bodies during the clean fast. And, you know, we've heard the word autophagy. We know that's our body's recycling program that goes on back there and mm-hmm. behind the scenes at the cellular level. But we've been conditioned to think that we must intake protein, Mm -hmm. have protein to build muscles. But our bodies are back there, you know, recycling old junky proteins Mm -hmm. during the fast very, very well. So it's not like your body, I mean, let's say you're using your muscles during workout. Your body is not going to eat up the muscle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our bodies are not that stupid. Jason Fung always says that, but it's it's true. (laughs) You know, we... We've got, you know, excess skin hanging around or junky proteins that our bodies are going to use up and we're going to cannibalize that, not our healthy muscle tissue. So we really, you know, I mean, if you're trying to be in the Mr. America pageant or do they even still do that? I don't know. <laughs> you know the body, yeah, there's all sorts of physique. The bodybuilders. Yeah. They need a different approach, a longer eating window, work with mm-hmm. someone who's skilled in building muscle strategically while also following intermittent fasting. But, you know, for the rest of us, we don't need to worry about all that. We can build healthy muscle in the fasted state. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest misnomers, uh, largely because we've been conditioned. I've got to have mm-hmm. a protein shake before and after I exercise. I have to eat these meals every two to three hours. I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean, unfortunately, we're in week 11 of social distancing here in Northern Virginia. But when normally I, for years, I've just gone to the gym, I've lifted mm-hmm. really heavy. I've gone home, gotten my kids to school, started my work day, then broke my fast. And I, I would argue that I look you know, better now than I did when I was doing all that frequent eating. And I, I, I think that once people become fat adapted, when their body intuitively will kind of tap into these fat stores, and most of us have plenty, uh, you know, we're using that for fuel. And once we wrap our heads around the fact we're going to have water, bitter coffee, or, you know, um, plain, t- uh, plain coffee or bitter tea, Beyond that, it's like it's very it's very easy once your mind is wrapped around the fact that you're not eating copious amounts of food around, and actually you feel less sluggish. I feel like I actually have more energy because my body's not digesting food. It's you know keeping my brain fueled with ketones, which I find is so beneficial. I love it exactly, and that's you know I I talked about earlier how I don't like to eat before doing a podcast interview because I'm not quite as mentally sharp for some time. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, your body's like, okay. I'm know. digesting. I'm yeah. relaxed. Yeah, I'm shuttling blood to, my, blood to my my gut and not my brain. Exactly. Totally. I'm sure by now you've heard me or others talk about the benefits of using CBD oil. And I'm telling you that it works. Direct CBD Online provides natural alternatives to prescription painkillers and medications. They sell only the highest quality CBD oils, edibles, creams, and more to help you on your search for natural well-being. And they strive to assist you in making informed decisions about your health and the products and supplements you use. If you've been thinking about trying out CBD, I highly encourage you to use Direct CBD Online. Click the link in the description to get started today. So one of the more common questions that I get is how do I know when intermittent fasting is not working with me? Like almost as if, you know, our bodies are not designed to be static. And so what might work for me, you know, a year ago may not work now as it pertains to nutrition. And so so what are some of the the signs that you think show up for people, whether they're men or women, uh, that intermittent fasting is not working for them at that point in time? It doesn't mean ever, just at that point in time. 
I have a hard time. You know, it depends on what we define by not working, right? Mm-hmm. You know, are we talking about it's not working for weight loss or it's well, not working for supporting a healthy life? I think both. And I think okay. everyone, well, it seems to me most people come to intermittent fasting because they want to lose weight, but then they right. stay for all the other benefits. But yeah. let's touch on weight loss first, because oftentimes there's like this visceral and I have people that'll say, I've been doing it for a week. My husband's lost 10 pounds. I haven't lost anything. I'm like, okay, well, it's only been a week. Um, <laughs> so a lot of times it's people haven't given enough time for it to be effective. And I think yeah. for women, it sometimes takes us a little longer than it does for men. Um, and even if we look at the research that has been proven, but ultimately over the same period of time, we will end up losing the same amount of weight if we give it eight weeks. Um, yeah. But no one wants to wait. Everyone's impatient. Well, in, in my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, in the 28-day fast start, I have a, a period that period of time and I want people to weigh, measure, take photos, day zero before mm-hmm. you start. And then do not do it again mm-hmm. the rest of the 28 days. On yeah. day 29, I want you to do it all again with the understanding that on day 29, you may not have lost a pound. You might have even gained a little bit. Your measurements might be up. Your pictures might look worse, but now you're more likely to be adapted. And mm-hmm. now you can start tracking your progress because mm-hmm. you feel let your body adjust to fasting. A lot of things go on in our bodies while we're adjusting. You may do, for example, compensatory overeating at first. Yep. That's because you're not fat adapted and your body is not well fueled. You know, we talked about how you're well fueled during mm-hmm. the fast once you're adjusted to fasting. Well, what about that period where your body is not good at tapping into fat stores yet? You are not well-fueled. So you might feel yucky during the day. You don't have good energy. Then when you open your eating window, you're eating everything that isn't nailed down because your brain is like, (laughs) we were just starving for all these hours and you weren't well-fueled. Once your body learns how to tap into stored fat though, you're fine during the fast, you open your window. That's when people are like, now I'm worried I'm not eating enough because, mm. because they are well-fueled during the fast and their body's like, all right, I'm good. I don't need as much food. Mm. So it, it's a delicate balance there, but you just, you have to have different expectations with intermittent fasting with weight loss than with those tabloid plans, you know, where yes. you, you know, drop three sizes in your first month. Intermittent fasting is the opposite. It's, mm-hmm. it's the long-term approach. And even people who are like, well, hey, it's not working. I guarantee it's working on something. You know, perhaps you're not losing, you know, the fat on your thighs yet, but maybe your body is taking fat out of a fatty liver. Right. You know, that's Different not going to change your pants size, mm-hmm. but it could be helping your health in more ways than you know. And we know our bodies preferentially do that. You know, if you've got a bunch of fat packed into a fatty liver, your body's going to use that fat up first. You may find that you're losing weight on the scale, but your clothing size isn't changing or vice versa. Your clothing size could be changing, but the scale isn't. Don't worry about all those different things. Just worry about, is anything changing, you know, after the first month or so, you know, if, if one thing is getting better, you know, good things are happening in your body. People do get caught up on the thing that isn't. Somebody Mm. else said, I've lost 20 pounds, but I'm still wearing the same jeans. Why isn't this working? Or Mm. I've lost zero pounds, but I'm down two jean sizes. Why isn't this working? (laughs) Well, but I think we've we've given people this message for years and years and years that we have to be a slave to a scale. Right. And I remind people, I'm like, stop getting on the scale. Do not weigh yourself again. 
don't weigh yourself again. I don't even have a scale in my house. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just go on how my clothing fits. Me too. Uh, but I remind people that, you know, the scale for many people is this jail mindset. You're stuck. And so we have to evolve beyond that. I think that's such important information. Anyone that's listening, that's wondering why after day two, they haven't lost weight, slow and steady wins. We don't want you to be losing tons of weight. Anything that's going to be sustainable needs to be done slowly, really. Um, and you and don't I, lose that much fat that quickly anyway, mm-hmm. even if, you know, you're on one of those, you know, crash diets and you lose, you lose eight pounds your first week. That was not eight pounds of fat. Mm-hmm. You lost, water fluid. Um, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> our yeah. bodies do not burn stored fat that quickly. No, no, it actually requires some effort. Exactly. <laughs> you know, slow and steady. Totally. And time. We only, you know, even if you're doing a complete fast with nothing for, you know, 30 days, which I do not recommend. <laughs> but even if you did, you know, fat burn is is, is going to be, you know, an, oh, there's only so much a day that your body can process. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I see, you know, for a lot of people, if it's, if it's not the weight loss, if they're feeling stuck, um, I, I remind them that there could be other reasons why it's not yes. effective. It could be your sleep quality is terrible. Oh, yeah. We know that if you get less than six hours a night of sleep, it reduces your ability to control your blood sugar by 60%. I mean, that's just one statistic. Huge. Huge. Um, if your stress is out of control, and I don't know anyone who doesn't have stress, so it's like finding ways to work through our stress. You know, you might get on your rebound or I might go, you know, I've been taking these four mile walks with my dogs. My poor dogs have lost weight doing all this walking. Um, I was trying to tell someone, I was like, everyone sees me. I'm like, I'm the crazy lady that walks both her dogs at least once a day for four miles, but, you know, get out there and get some exercise. But so it's, it's a couple things. I always say you can be stuck for a variety of reasons, stress, sleep problems, food sensitivities, like we touched on, like some people do really well with gluten. A lot of people don't. Some people might do really well with sugar. A lot of people don't. Right. Um, I don't know if anyone does really well with sugar. I think it's it's challenging for everyone. I'm just giving it as an example. There's probably one person out there who can have a piece of chocolate and walk away and that's it. <laughs> um, but most people are not that way. Or it could also be just hormonal imbalances. You know, I find a lot of people, men and women, they hit middle age things start to slow down. They don't burn, you know, calories at the same rate. You know, they don't have as much muscle. Here's one really important takeaway message. And we touched on this when we spoke to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Um, Muscle is the most important organ in our bodies in terms of allowing us to continue to uh, reduce our likelihood of developing metabolic disease. So I always remind people, we don't want to be in the mindset of, you know, mu- building muscle isn't important. We all Correct. want to continue to build muscle as we get older. And, you know, hormones are a huge thing. You mentioned mm-hmm. that. Um, I just had a full hormonal workup. A doctor that I interviewed for intermittent fasting stories, he uses intermittent fasting with his patients. He has like oh, over 500 it. patients nice. doing intermittent fasting, but he also does a full hormone panel for everyone. And I was like, well, that's going to be very interesting. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going through menopause right now. My mm. progesterone is like, yeah, my estrogen undetectable. Oh. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll be yes. 51. So mm. I'm very excited about, you know, we're figuring that out. And, but, but I'm a different, my body is different mm-hmm. in 2020 mm-hmm. than it was in even, you know, 2019 or yeah, 2018. Absolutely. And so as I go through menopause, my hormones are changing. Mm-hmm. You know, my skin is a little different mm-hmm. just because 
hmm, the elasticity is not good. old collagen and elastin. It's like, <laughs> darn you, estrogen. Yeah. Did intermittent fasting stop working for my skin? No, my body is changing. And so I have to work with the changes that are happening instead of thinking, well, this is a failure now. No, I, I just have a different body and I have to respond differently to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having somebody that could help you work through that is so very important because so many people... I have finally found the cleanest and best tasting protein powder. It's called Clean Simple Eats. And for me personally, I am absolutely dairy sensitive and I have been able to successfully try their protein powder with no digestive distress. I love this protein powder because it is exactly what it states. It's clean and simple. It's always grass fed with no seed oils, no junky sugary ingredients, no artificial ingredients. And it is also third party tested, non-GMO and gluten free. I think all of you know, these things are very important to me. We know that protein is one of the most important macronutrients. And for many people that are intermittent fasting, they struggle getting in enough protein in their feeding window. And each serving has 20 grams of protein, making it a perfect addition to breaking your fast or using it during the course of your feeding window. They actually have 26 delicious all-natural flavors. Personally, I like the chocolate brownie batter, but they have chocolate mint, they've got cookie dough, and they have a delicious Simply Vanilla, which you can mix with just about anything. My entire family, especially my teenagers, really like the powders, and they also enjoy the clean Simple Eats Clear Protein Drinks, which are also clean and have 20 grams of grass-fed protein each. So if you want to try this new protein powder out, I promise you will not be disappointed. You want to go to www.cleansimpleeats.com and use code wellness20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com and use code wellness20 for 20% off your first order. If you try it out, let me know what your favorite flavor is. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believe that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product with five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code 
Cynthia 10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia 10 for 10% off any order. You're like, oh, your panel looks fine when really it's not optimal. And there are changes that may need to be made or just saying, oh, well, it's normal for you to have zero progesterone at the age of 50. Well, it might be normal, but does that mean that's how I'm going to feel my best? Right, right. And I find sleep can really be impacted by, you know, inadequate progesterone levels and- for anyone yeah, that's doctor, listening. He's, um, I'm sorry. He's no. in his seventies and his wife also, they're, they're the same age and she's on a progesterone supplement. Um, and he said it like, like they flew to Europe and she forgot it. And it was so important. They have it like, had it like overnight. <laughs> so oh, she would right. have it because it affects her sleep so yeah. much. Yeah. So well, very and excited. Yeah. And it's, you know, so for anyone who doesn't know, when women hit this perimenopausal period five to seven years before menopause, their ovaries are generally producing less progesterone, which puts a little bit of a lag and a strain on our adrenals. And we get this relative imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. So this is when people have what I refer to as crime scene periods and people all of a sudden have got wonky cycles and they're very, they can be, you know, very emotional. Their sleep may be disrupted. There are a lot of things that can go on. And I find that the better managed someone's blood sugar is mm-hmm. heading into perimenopause and menopause, the better off they are in terms of symptoms. They will have less, but they will have um, less issues with sleep. They will definitely and absolutely have less hot flashes yeah. um, as we're making that transition. And I find for myself, I just can't drink alcohol very much. If I do, it's a given. I will not sleep well and I will get hot flashes. So huge disincentive. If I do it, I have to be really <laughs> mindful of what quality of alcohol I'm having, meaning you know, organic wine, right. clear liquors are about the only thing I can manage at this point. But I'm so glad that you reached out to that physician. I mean, obviously yeah. you had that nice... Um, podcast episode with him, but there are so many women and men who are really suffering in silence at this stage in their lives, whether their thyroid's underactive, super common to see that our entire endocrine system has just gone a little bit awry. And so it's not at all uncommon for people to need some support. And it could be different again for every single person that's listening, but I do find that progesterone cream in particular for people can really be beneficial for sleep. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to get started with with the um, the replacement. But you know, and even people have been told that everything is fine, but they know mm-hmm. it, that that it's not fine because mm-hmm. you can tell you don't feel your best. And you know, I think my whole menopause is just speeding up because right in the fall is when I started having more trouble with the sleeping, and I mm-hmm. really think that you know, and with the wine, and I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, you know. Up until then, I have claimed I am sailing through it. And I really still am. You know, I feel great. I'm still wearing all my same clothes. I haven't gained any weight. But you just, you know, a few of the things, just the sleep, the having to be more careful with the alcohol. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, but I also think it has a lot to do with how you've been treating your body over the last six years is one of the reasons why this transition for you has been not the stereotypical, like when we hear women talk about how miserable perimenopause and menopause can be. And I just remind them, I'm like, if you go from your twenties and thirties, where you don't get enough sleep, you're overly stressed, you're over-exercising, your diet's a mess. Yes. You're going to have a much harder transition than, than someone that's more attuned to eating when they're intrinsically hungry, making better food choices, et cetera. Yeah. Mine has not been miserable. It's been annoying. <laughs> <laughs> annoying. I think most, because everyone calls it the second puberty. They're like, it wow. really is, you know, just like when you're going through puberty and everything's ramping up, everything is ramping down. Yeah. And so it's the same kind of, you know, some people start getting acne. Like I had a woman yesterday who was like, what is up with this? And I was like, <laughs> 
I'm sorry, you're getting pimple, like all along her jawline in her 40s. Yeah. She's like, this is so not acceptable. Right. It's not going to be like that forever. Correct. <laughs> I'm like, it is a temporary blip in time. Eventually everything will peter out and then you move on to the next thing. Exactly. So when people are stuck, so mm-hmm. we were talking about if they're not losing weight, there are a lot of things that can contribute to it. And for you, it sounds, if I'm inferring from you, a lot of it's mindset. It's actually, well, yeah. you know, recognizing that, you know, we are not going to overnight have things go from point A to point B. We're not going to lose all the weight overnight. What right. are some of the strategies or the, some of the discussions you have? You know, you have these amazing Facebook groups. Um, if you're not in Jen's group, make sure you check it out. Um, in an incredible support system for the people that are in there. What are some of the strategies or what are some of the things you encourage them to do so they're not so focused on, I would say it's like the one thing. It's like, let's not just focus on the one thing. Right. Some of the things you do. Well, you know, first of all, like I mentioned before, I want you to have multiple ways that you're tracking your progress because we have a set of photos that someone posted, gosh, probably in 2017. And it's this girl and she has a before and she has an after Mm -hmm. and she looks like she lost 30 pounds. Like I'm not kidding. Wow. But between the two sets of photos, the scale is one pound different. Wow. It looks, it looks fake. It looks made up. But this girl's been in the group for a long time. Mm -hmm. She has no reason to lie about these are my before and after, but You know, and we, we've seen that over and over and over again, because as people build muscle and they lose fat, you know, they may find they've lost a lot of belly fat and they've shrunk down so much, but the scale is not telling the true story. So I really want people to have multiple ways of measuring. If she had only looked at the scale, she would have thought that she had failed yeah. because one pound after all these months, not acceptable, but she was wearing she was so much leaner than she had been. You know, we've all seen those kind of pictures before, you know, like here's somebody at 135 and here's the same person at 135 and they look completely different. Um, So, you know, as your body changes as far as your leanness versus your fat, you know, the scale could even go up, but you could be smaller, right? So have a lot of ways that you're measuring progress. Photos are so important because, Mm -hmm. you know, your face can change, you know, you're like, wow, look at my jawline, you know, (laughs) and look at, you know, my arms and my belly Mm -hmm. and use the tape measure around your waist and see how, how that is going. So, you know, don't allow the one thing that isn't changing to convince Mm -hmm. you that nothing is changing. Also pay attention to your health victories. Um, I like to call intermittent fasting the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. You know, I did a podcast um, a while back with a mother and son that both do intermittent fasting. And um, for anyone who heard that, it was Renee and Joel. And by the way, Renee has just reached her goal weight. Finally, it took her a lot of tweaking, but she looks Mm -hmm. phenomenal. But Joel, her son, you know, a young guy, you would think he'd drop weight like crazy, right? He didn't lose any weight for eight months. Wow. Then all of a sudden he went on to lose like 30 pounds really quickly. I mean, it sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. Some people are, are... not willing to live the lifestyle for that long if they're not not seeing the results. He saw mm-hmm. no results, but he stuck with it. And then all of a sudden his body's like, all right, boom, drop the fat. Yeah. So now I don't want people just to blindly, you know, do intermittent fasting and hope and wish that one day their weight's just going to magically fall right mm-hmm. off. You probably know, but it's a matter of knowing what to tweak and how to tweak it. Mm-hmm. And you have to know what's really happening in your body. And you have to think, okay, well, what is holding me back? You know, we know, for example, that fat burning generally ramps up between hours 18 to 24 of the fast. Does that mean you have to fast 24 hours a day? No. (laughs) But if you're only fasting 18 hours a day, every single day, and that is it, 
you're not going to reach that peak fat burning. Maybe one day you fast for 20. So you're getting a couple hours of the, you know, the higher fat burning. Maybe the next day you do 18, you know, switch it up, but give your body time to, to get into the peak fat burning. If you're not, that's one really easy thing to tweak. I'm also a big fan of the up and down day approach. You may have heard of alternate day fasting or four, three or five, two. That's where you have up days and down days. And I really go into the science of this in, in my new book, fast feast repeat, but you know, our bodies really do like to adapt to anything that is exactly the same. And even though intermittent fasting helps our bodies, you know, metabolically, hormonally, if you every day, for example, do 22-2 and you eat in a two-hour eating window and you have exactly the same amount of food, your body, your body might say, whoop, this is what we're doing, and then adapt. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to plateau right there. So switching things up, you know, having a, a down day where it's either a full fast or a, a smaller you know, um, 500 calorie meal, that's from the original research on the up and down day protocol. It's very well researched. Every other day dieting, they called it for a long time. Um, whether you're, you know, doing it the 500 calorie way or the full fast, then the, the next day you have what we call an up day where you eat all day, just normally. So that's just a very well researched approach. And it gets that metabolism up and down, up and down. It's really kind of like a calorie cycling program, mm -hmm. but you're, you're, you have the benefits of the fasting in there too. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's really good for getting someone off a plateau or if you feel like your metabolism is slowing you know, with age or because you've been over restricting for a long time, I really approach, I, I really recommend the up and down day approach, but it's, it's all very well explained in um, fast feast repeat. It's more complicated style to figure out, but really it can be very simple. Some people love it as a long-term approach. Some people just need it as a way to get off of that plateau. And you can even come up with, you know, a hybrid approach. I know people have heard of five, two, you know, you could have two down days a week after every down day, have an up day where you're having, you know, eating all day or two meals or three meals, but don't just have a tiny eating window. But then the other days could be eating windows. You could have down day, up day, five hour window, down day, up day, six hour window, you know, just really, really figure out something that feels good to you and you're keeping your body guessing. Um, but you want to feel good every day. That's the part that's important. When I, I just threw a lot at you right there. No, no, no. I think it's, I think it's fantastic because it again, stresses the fact that we need metabolic flexibility and the best way to do that is once you've gotten intermittent fasting under your belt and you've gotten the routine of doing it, acknowledging that you can be flexible with these windows. Yeah. And, you know, I have a group going right now and, and, you know, several of them are, you know, they're hitting 20, 22 hours a day and they're excited because maybe they've been doing, you know, a 16, eight traditionally. And then I have people struggling to get to 15 hours. I'm like, listen, right. do not compare yourself to anyone else. When yeah. you get to a point where you're in maintenance mode, that's when you have all this ability to, you know, step things up. Much like I am a huge proponent of doing like a 24-hour fast, if not, you know, at least once a month, twice a month, because yeah. it puts your body underneath a little bit of, we use the term hermetic stress. Yes. Good, good stress. stress, exactly. Yeah. Good stressors. You know, intermittent fasting is one of them, but we want to kind of, you know, change things up. So much like you would not do the same exact exercise every single day for the rest of your life. Right. Same kind of approach as it pertains to intermittent fasting. You yeah. Know, and the next thing I would recommend people do is really examine their food quality. Mm -hmm. 
and also their food quantity, especially if the quality is not good. You know, if the food quality is not good, quantity is going to matter a lot more. Mm -hmm. If the food quality is really high, you can eat more food because your body, um, I talk about this in Fast Feast Repeat, it has to do with ultra processed foods and how your body really digests and uses those foods. It's really, really interesting. Um, Like for example, let's let's talk about meat. Mm. You know, if you eat raw steak, (laughs) piece of raw steak, now you're the ultimate carnivore, right? You're just eating raw steak. There are people who do that. It's crazy. Well, I know. Yeah. Yeah. We could call it steak tartare. It sounds more fancy, right? Yes. Let's say we'll call it steak tartare. (laughs) But you know, if you're breaking down raw meat and you're eating it, your body is going to have to do a lot more work to process that. And you're going to actually waste calories processing that food. Now let's imagine you have that same exact piece of meat and you cook it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be a little more easily accessible for your body now that it's cooked. You're going to extract more calories from that same exact piece of meat that started off the same exact way. Now let's grind it up and make it into a hamburger. Once again, it's your body's going to be able to get even more out of it than it did before. So and that's just one example. But you know, spinach the same way. Our body processing raw spinach, it's going to be different than if you put it in a smoothie or if it's cooked spinach. You know, the more work your body has to do to process the food itself, the more your energy is going to ramp up to process the food. Your metabolism actually goes up. They did a study, I talked about this in Fast Feast Repeat, where they gave everybody um, cheese sandwiches, two different cheese sandwiches. One was a really processed cheese sandwich. The other was a less processed cheese sandwich. And the way they had the same exact number of calories, but the way the bodies reacted to the two different cheese sandwiches was remarkable. Very different. Processing is part of the problem. Yeah. And so think about these highly processed, highly addictive Uh, foods can be an enormous problem. There's a book, uh, the listeners are probably tired of me bringing it up, Salt, Sugar, Fat, that changed my entire perspective on the processed food industry and recognizing that there are food scientists who sit in labs who create these bliss points to make food as addictive as possible. It is not a lack of willpower on your part. It's that these foods that are highly addictive, highly full of excitotoxins, et cetera, really light up our brains in very maladaptive ways. And it makes it very hard. So think about when you sit down with your, you've grilled some meat with your family, you had some asparagus that was grilled, that is going to be a very satiating meal as opposed to if you sit down with a Big Mac and a bunch of fries and an apple pie, do they even still make those at McDonald's? I don't know. know. (laughs) And maybe a shake. I don't know. Um, That you're going to, you're going to feel like you want to continue to eat. And it's designed to be obesogenic. You also didn't get any nutrients. And our mm-hmm. bodies count nutrients, not calories. So mm-hmm. you can eat a ton of calories and have zero nutrients. And your body's like, that wasn't it. Right. Send something else down. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have the urge to eat and eat and eat. And that's where we come with the, the idea of being overfed yet mm-hmm. undernourished. Correct. So if we focus on nutrients then our body gets full, we're mm-hmm. happy, we can eat more volume, and then our body has to work to break it down. You know, if I have a big old plate of raw broccoli dipped in homemade hummus to open my eating window, I get really full from that. Mm-hmm. Versus if I sat down with a plate of cheese and crackers, you know, I wouldn't be quite as satisfied and full. And, you know, the more processed foods are, are processed by our bodies very quickly as well. 
the more processing done to them, the less processing our body has to do. So just keep that in mind. Whole foods for the win. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Nutrient dense whole food diet. Really, really important Mm -hmm. and looks a little different for each one of us. It does. Yeah. Now, Jen, I want to be mindful of your time. I'm so excited to have had you for the second time this year on the podcast. How can people find you and how can they find your new book? All right. Well, if you go to jenstevens.com, that's G-I-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S.com. There's a, um, that's my website and you can find links to my Facebook support groups there. You can find where to get the books, you know, my new book, Fast Feast Repeat. Here it is. I'm so excited. I'm really proud of this book on sale June 16th. If it's, if you're listening prior to June 16th, go ahead and pre-order it. If not, go ahead and get it wherever books are sold. And, um, you can, you can find my other books there as well. Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I also have a book, um, Feast Without Fear, where it talks about how our bodies are all different when it comes to what foods work well for us. And it could be related to our gut health and also our genetics, which is you know, a small piece of that puzzle. And also just really learning to listen to our own bodies instead of you know reading diet guru book after diet guru book. (laughs) Instead, the guru lives inside of you. (laughs) Listen to your body. And, you know, just like I believe you that grains don't work well for you, you believe me that they work well for me and that we are the ultimate um, study of one within our own bodies. You know, what the right amount of fasting is for me might be too much for somebody else Mm -hmm. or not enough for somebody else. And so, that's why, you know, I'm not going to give you a prescriptive, here's what to do exactly, and neither are you. And, and we want people to learn to figure it out. And that's, that's also a little harder for some mm-hmm. people because some people really just want you to tell them, here's what I want you to eat and here's when I want you to eat it. But, but that's not a long-term approach. Right. And I think- Demand you know, to fish, right? I'm, yes. I'm not, my book will teach you to fish. <laughs> yes. But I think it's, a, but I think that's really critical and it's important. And, you know, even with me starting to kind of draft out my own book, mm-hmm. recognizing that, you know, these are the barometers we use to make sure this is working well for you, but I can't give a one size fits all. People want that. That's what we've conditioned people to believe that everyone needs to be doing the same thing. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Yep, exactly. Well, I'm so excited. I've loved reading your, well, I've now read your second book uh, and enthusiastically encourage everyone to go check it out. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes.